I'm excited about this mission trip. I hope that you will pray about going if the Lord leads you to do that. Truly, there's nothing more life-changing than going on a mission field. And listen, if God so loved the world, and if he said, go ye into all the world, then I think we ought to be excited about world missions. God is a global God. He is at work all around the globe, and we get to be a part of that. And truly, uh, what you see does affect your heart. Our eye affects our heart, and so I hope that you'll pray about that trip. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this evening, we are in a uh, more of a topical series on Sunday nights that we have entitled Resolved. And last week we talked about resolve to redeem the time from Ephesians chapter 5. And tonight we're going to talk about resolve to adaptability for the gospel's sake. And we're in 1 Corinthians 9. We've actually been going through 1 Corinthians on Wednesday evening. So those of you that were here on Wednesday evening, we're kind of going back to a section that we've already covered. But we're going to focus on these verses in verses 19 through 23 The section from 1 Corinthians 8 to 1 Corinthians 10 is a section on Christian liberty, the gift of Christian liberty, what we should do with it, what we should not do with it, and we've been spending a lot of time uh, on that subject on Wednesday evenings in our study. But I want us to look tonight specifically at verses 19 through 23. And if you're able to stand, let's stand once more for the reading of God's Word. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church at Corinth, says in verse number 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I may gain the more. I would encourage you maybe to, if you mark in your Bible, underline that phrase, that I may gain the more. Verse 20, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law... As without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, here it is again, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, and here's another one of those phrases, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof. With you, Father, again we come to you tonight rejoicing, praising you that you are the God of our salvation. We thank you that we today celebrate that you are not just a dead God, but you are uh, a resurrected God who is very much alive. And we do thank you for the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit that is our down payment to our eternal inheritance. And we thank you for his ministry. In our lives, we pray even now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us from the Word of God, help us to come to it with surrendered and submissive hearts tonight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As I was reading this section of Scripture again and really praying about some different things this new year that our church needs to be resolved in, as I was reading this text, the word adaptability came to my mind, and Paul was willing to be adaptable. As we talked about this morning, not to his message, but he was willing to be adaptable when it came to his methods, and he has a very clear purpose for it. It was not to be trendy. By the way, we ought never to do something just to be trendy. We ought never to do something just because everyone else 
is doing it. It was not to gain a following. That was not why Paul was doing it. It was not to be trendy. It was with great eternal intent. I want to just share with you from the text tonight three things about this adaptability. First of all, the purpose of his adaptability. And this answers the question, what? What is Paul's purpose? What is Paul trying to accomplish? What are you doing, Paul? I think this is very clear from the text that Paul's purpose, what he is trying to do is he is, he is seeking to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. That was his purpose in every verse. Look at it again in verses 19 through 22. In every verse, Paul makes it clear that his purpose is to gain or to win people for Christ. That that word gain means to win. He says in verse number 19 that I might gain or win more. He says in verse 20 that I might gain or win the Jews. Verse 21, that I might gain or win them that are without the law. Verse 22, that I might by all means save some. He changes his word there to a word of rescue, but he is very clear about this. His purpose was to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. You look at the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you see that all through his writings. Perhaps you've heard people before, heard us talk about winning people to Christ or soul winning, and that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He is talking about winning people to faith in Jesus Christ. The word gain or win, it's the same word that is used in Matthew chapter 18 when Jesus was giving an instruction about church discipline. And he says that if someone is involved in a sin, that a brother or sister is to go to them and to confront them about their sin. And if they turn in repentance, the Bible says, you have won your brother. Same word. It's the same word that Paul used in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8 when he said, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Same word. Same word that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 when he's giving instruction to wives who have unbelieving husbands and he says to them likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not in word they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives they may be one to Christ same word Paul is saying my purpose is that I might gain the more, that I might gain the Jews, that I might win them that are without the law, that I might by all means save some. He was clear about his purpose to win people to Jesus Christ, to present the gospel. It was to live out the gospel. Paul was consumed with people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And that is my challenge to us as a church this year, that it will, as we think about this theme Who is your one or who are the ones that God wants you to witness to, to share the gospel with, to be a witness to? And tonight on both sides of of the, the sanctuary on these tables, we have cards that we want you to just come and pick up a stack because these are great tools to be able to begin gospel conversations with people. But this must be our purpose, church, and what Paul is saying is that I am adaptable not just to be trendy, not just to be liked, but to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he says this, I'm willing to go to extreme measures 
to see people come to faith in Christ. I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone. I'm I'm willing to do whatever is necessary to see people come to faith in Christ. And I've said this before, but there are a few things in life that are worth getting uncomfortable with, and eternity is one of those things. Someone's eternal destination, that whether they're going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell, it's worth us getting out of our comfort zone about. It's worth us getting uncomfortable about. We see this in athletics, don't we? Athletes who are training for the Olympics. A boxer who is training for a big fight. Or any athlete who is training for a championship game. They go to extreme measures. Why? So that they can win. And and Paul is using that. And he uses it many times in his writing. It, It is their focus. And it is no doubt Paul's Focus winning people to Jesus Christ. The writer of Proverbs said this in Proverbs eleven thirty: The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. You want to be a wise person? Proverbs is all about wisdom. Then be someone who seeks to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ in all of your spheres of influence, where God has you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates. May the souls of men and women be on our hearts all the time. Of course, we want people to be a part of Bible studies and accountability groups and ministry teams and all of these things. But even those things are not our focus. Our focus, our one thing that drives us is to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. This was the commission of Jesus to the church. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. Ye shall be witnesses of me. Jesus himself said this, I have come to seek and to save the lost. He made it very clear that he had come to convert the sinners, not to compliment the self-righteous. He was very clear about his purpose as we saw this morning. Remember what Jesus told the fishermen. Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. That's what God has called us to do. I remember shortly after we moved here, Jackson loves the outdoors, and so he was excited about this little pond, Brother Steve, that's down by our house that um, (laughs) you could throw a line and easily get to the other side. We didn't know if there were fish in there or not, but he was excited about it. So one day he goes out fishing, and he comes back, not not at our pond, but at someone else's place, and I'm not going to say where, But he went to someone else's place and he comes back home, which they had told him, you know, if you catch stuff, take take the fish, that's fine. Um, So Jackson comes back with about three five-gallon buckets full of water and live fish in these buckets. And so Jackson, he's like, Dad, come look at all these fish that I caught. And I I said, that's awesome, son. What are you going to do with them? And he said, I'm going to put them in our pond. And he assured me that... This was okay because they had been in that other pond for a long time and they were tired of that scenery and they wanted to come to a new pond. <laughs> I was thinking about this and I thought of that story and, and I thought about this. You know, God has not called us to Fentress County to go to the other ponds, spiritual ponds around here, and to take fish out and bring them here. Instead, he has called us to find people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and to share the gospel with them. 
That doesn't mean that God won't lead from time to time people, but we are not to build our church based on getting people from other people's church. That's not our intent. That's not our our purpose in building a church. Our purpose is to share the gospel with people who don't know the Lord or to find people who aren't in church or away from the Lord and to befriend them and to bring them along. You see, all these other things that we do around here are supplemental things, but the, the winning of souls is fundamental. It must be in our lives. It's the primary thing. If we're not doing it, we're about the wrong purpose. It must be the main business of every believer. It should be, and I pray that it is this year on the forefront of all of our minds. I pray that it is primary in our prayer time, that when we are praying, that the the souls of lost men and women, boys and girls in this community and around the world is at the very forefront of, of our prayer life, what we're praying about. You see, God will be most pleased with us Not because we had the timeline of the end times right. We got it all right. He'll be most pleased with us if we fulfilled the purpose with which we are here. Which was to share the gospel and see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Should we know the word of God? Should we study the word of God? Absolutely. But may we never think that because we are great students of the word that we are accomplishing all that God wants us to do because the main thing God wants us to do, the main purpose that he has left us here is to win people, to gain people to Christ, to show them how they can come to faith in Christ. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We want them to understand what happens after, after death. We want them to understand that there is only two places, heaven or hell. And the terror of hell is something that ought to motivate us to be able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with people. It ought to be the purpose of our life. And it is the purpose of Paul's adaptability. He wasn't willing to be adaptable just for anything, but when it came to... Seeing people come to faith in Christ, he was willing to be adaptable. The second thing that I think you see here, not only the purpose, but notice the strategy of adaptability. And this answers the question, how? What are you doing, Paul? I'm seeking to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. How are you seeking to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ? And his strategy, this is amazing, his strategy is just as clear as his purpose. In fact, in every verse as well, not only does he give us his purpose, but he gives us his strategy in doing it. How can we accomplish our purpose and our mission? You see, Paul didn't bring a purpose out of, out of a strategy. His strategy flowed out of his purpose. He said, this is the main thing that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And this is my strategy. This is what I'm willing to do. Look at verse number 19. For though I be free from all men, he's talking about Christian liberty. He knows that he's not bound to all these Jewish ceremonies that that many in that day still felt like they were bound to. He says, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain or win the more. Look at verse 20. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew. To them that are under the law, as under the law. This is his strategy. 
He, he did not seek not to offend the Jews just so that they would like him. Just so that they would, wouldn't say bad things about him. That's just peer pressure. But, but he did so that he might win them to Jesus Christ. He didn't purposely offend them in things that he did. As much as he, he could without breaking biblical commands, he adapted to the daily things of life to their world. He ate things, as we see in the book of Corinthians, that would not offend them. And he says if it, if it offends them, if it pushes them away from the true gospel, if it breaks off your opportunity to be able to share the gospel with them, then don't do it, even though you have the liberty to do it. And even though he had turned from Judaism and he had been liberated, he became as Jewish as was necessary to win Jewish people. That's why I don't believe that missionaries should go to Africa and do things like we do it here in America. It's not America over there. It's a different culture. I've actually heard of churches in America who don't support churches in Africa because they don't do church like we do it here in America. They shouldn't do church like we do it here in America. It's a different culture. They have, they have a different way of life. They have a different way of singing. They have a different way of expressing themselves. They have a different way of dressing. So he was willing, Paul was willing to lean over into the Jewish dimension, attend ceremonies, whatever, it would, uh, whatever would give him an opportunity to share the gospel. So for Paul, if it meant taking a Nazarite vow and shaving his head, although he knew that wasn't necessary, but if it would give him an audience with the Jews, guess what he did? Took the Nazarite vow. Even though Timothy didn't need to be circumcised, if Paul thought that it would help Timothy with the Jews, with the... Uh, to, to give him an audience, to give them ear, then Timothy was willing to be circumcised in order to do so. They, they were willing to adapt to it. So if you take pride in being free from all the religious man-made requirements, and I've known a lot of Christians who are that, you might have trouble with this. Paul makes it clear that we need to be willing to set aside our liberties so that we can be more effective in winning those who are stooped in religion. Then verse 21, to them that, this is the other extreme, to them that are without the law as without law. Why? Here it is again, that I might gain them that are without the law. So Paul goes to the other extreme, and now religious people have no trouble at all with us bending over, bending towards the religious, but here is where they get real uncomfortable when we talk about bending for those who are on the other side of that. When Paul went to eat with these folks, he didn't give them a questionnaire about where all the meats came from. It didn't matter to him. He knew that he was free from all that, and so he didn't give them a questionnaire about that. He didn't give them his Jewish resume. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He, he, just as he bent as over as, as far as he could into Judaism to be able to share with them the gospel, he did the same thing with the Gentiles. He became as Gentile as he could. Why? To win them to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul was resolved to become as adaptable as necessary for the gospel's sake. This is not compromising. This is not 
uh, doing things that the Bible clearly tells us not to do. This isn't going out and getting drunk so that we can win a drunk person to Christ. That's not what it's talking about at all. But he's saying you bend as much as you can within the, 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 the bounds of the word of God to be able to adapt to these people that you might share the gospel with them. I recommend if you go to Honduras that you don't wear a suit and tie to the services. Because you know what you would do? You just, you just built a barrier to those people. That, that's not their culture. They don't do that. They probably can never afford a suit and tie. You just broke a social barrier that has separated you from them. You've built a wall that has kept you from being able to share the gospel. Then look at verse 22. To the weak became I as weak. Again, why? That I might gain the weak. Now this isn't, again, it's not speaking a moral compromise, obviously. But Paul, we know from the writings of Paul, he was incredibly intellectual, wasn't he? He could argue, he could defend the faith with the best of them. But here is what he is saying. That he was willing to speak in the most simple ways in order to win those that were weak. Intellectually, spiritually, To the educated, he could speak in terminology that would endear people to him. And to the uneducated, he would speak in terminology that would endear them to him. And then he sums it up with this statement in verse number 22. I am made all things to all men. Let's say that together. All things to all men. Why? Here it is again. That I might by all means save some. Again, this is not a little phrase that we throw out so that we can do whatever we want to do. That's, that's not at all the heart of Paul. The heart of Paul is I want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to, to win them to Christ. And so I am willing to be as adaptable as I possibly can to be all things to all men that by all means I might save some. In other words, we know this about Paul. I would be a prisoner if it would allow me to share the gospel. I will go to jail. You remember Philippians, what he tells, tells the people when he writes back to the church at Philippi and he's in jail in Rome? He says this, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me being here in jail. I'm, I'm summarizing it. But he says this, the things that have happened to me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Here's what he's saying. My purpose is being fulfilled in being here in jail because my purpose is that the gospel might spread. He was willing to set his life aside. He was even willing to die. He will do anything, and certainly he's willing to sacrifice some of his rights. You see, he was willing to cross the cultural gap to people rather than asking them to cross the cultural gap to him. This is the strategy of Paul. Seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ. What's his strategy? Adaptability. He doesn't want anything to keep them from coming to Christ. Should we start this new ministry? Is it going to help people come to faith in Jesus Christ? Is it going to help them grow closer to the Lord and their walk? Should we go to this place? Should we adjust our schedules? Will it help people come to faith in Christ? Will it help us reach more people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, the question is not, 
is it more convenient? The question is not, is it cool or revel it? Uh, the question is not whether we've done it like this before. The question isn't, what is the church across town going to say about us if we do this? The question is, will it help us win more people to Jesus Christ? And will it help us reach people who are out of church, come back to church? In every decision, Paul considered the degree to which the outcome might help him win the loss for Christ. He was prepared to adjust his habits. He was, he was willing to change his preferences and modify his lifestyle to see others come to faith. And we have to, get, we have to be careful, church, that we don't get too cozy in our little Christian culture that what is comfortable to us trumps what's going to help people come to Christ. I'm just like you. I have my preferences. I have things that I would rather do. There's sometimes when my little Pharisee guy comes out in me and, and, and I, I struggle with the same things you do. But we have to come back to this. This is not Josh's opinion. This is not Josh's word. This is the word of God, Right? And by the way, Paul didn't just come up with this strategy on his own. (laughs) This isn't, you say, well, Paul was a man. Just because Paul did it doesn't mean it's right. Well, let's not forget where Paul learned it from. Right? Uh, Let's go over to John chapter 4 for a moment. John 4 We reference this briefly this morning, verse 4. Speaking of Jesus, he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. You ought to just mark that phrase, Jesus saith to her. Because that's a big statement. Jesus saith to her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. And then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, by the way, you know what Jesus is doing right here? Turning an everyday conversation about water into a gospel conversation. It's giving us a great example right here. By the way, this is where, this is where Paul learns what he's saying. This is the, the example. Verse 11, the woman said unto her, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then... Hast thou the living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You say, what's the big deal about this? The big deal about this is that men were not supposed to speak to women, number one. And Jews were not supposed to speak to Samaritans. And here Jesus comes and he breaks those barriers 
and he comes to her. He is a Jewish man speaking to a Samaritan woman, unacceptable to the religious elite of the day. Why did he do it? To win her to faith in Christ, right? That was his sole purpose. He crosses the barriers. He comes into her world without sinning, of course. He talks about things that he knows that she will know about. He relates to her religious background. And he lets her know uh, that he knows about her sinful past and that he's not repulsed over it. So repulsed that he won't speak to her. That he still loves her. That he's still reaching out to her to minister to her. Jesus was flexible, he was adaptable, and Paul follows that example. We're not careful, we lay out our list of things that are nowhere in the scripture. If we're not careful, we're not willing, not only, not only are we not willing to go across barriers, but we're building barriers. We've distanced ourselves. We've closed off doors. Paul's strategy was clear. It was there to fulfill his purpose. I am made all things to all men. Why? That I might by all means save some. And then lastly, and we'll just mention this, but the motivation of adaptability. We see his purpose was to see people come to faith in Christ. The strategy was adaptability, all things for all men. The motivation is found in verse 23, and we close. This I do... For the gospel's sake. You say that with me. This I do for the gospel's sake. That I might be partaker thereof with you. My mentor before coming here. Pastor Shane Lewis died at the age of 50 with leukemia. Many of you have heard me talk to him before. But in his very last sermon. Sitting there knowing that his life was about to end. He said this, it's always about Jesus. It's always about the gospel. Always, always, always. That was what was on his heart when he was dying. A dying pastor. It's always about Jesus. It's always about the gospel. Always, always, always. And if your heart says amen to that, which I sure hope that it does, what are we prepared to do about it in 2023? Are we willing to get out of our comfort zone? You say, I've never handed anybody a card in my life. Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone to start doing that? It's very simple. You go through the drive-thru. They give you your change back. And you say simply, hey, Here's a card that reminds you that you're loved today. Jesus loves you. And we'd love to have you come visit us sometime at our church. It's as simple as that. Then you get to just drive away. It's as simple as as doing it at the grocery store. You know what this, this story in John 4 reminds me of? Because we didn't get that far. But you know what? The woman goes as quickly as she can. She can't help it. She goes as quickly as she can. And she tells the people about this Jesus who just saved her, about this Jesus who loves her, about this Jesus who, who, who is her Savior and who is her Lord. 
And I just thought about this. You never know when you witness to someone whether or not they might be a very vocal representative for Jesus Christ. And we have examples of that in this church. Miss Deborah Welshen, one Sunday morning, was sitting right here. And I preached that morning about being a witness and sharing your faith. And she had never done that before. She had never taken a card. And, and she had, we, we gave out cards that day in the bulletin. And we said, we want to challenge you today to give out one card this week. So Miss Deborah was walking in her neighborhood and she had determined this was the day. She, she built up the courage. This was the day she was going to give her card. And so there's another lady walking on the road. This is her chance. And she gives the card to a woman named Cindy Dean. And she invites Cindy Dean to church very quickly, giving her a card. Cindy Dean comes to church the next week, sits right there beside her, grew up in Catholicism her whole life, very religious, so to speak, but never really heard the clear presentation of the gospel. She comes, she gets saved. She goes through a year of discipleship with Miss Karina Beatty. And this next week, she will begin taking someone else through discipleship. By the way, we could tell that story again because she invited a lady named Sue Faust. Sue came for months. But finally, after months of sitting in services, came to realize she was not saved. And she came to faith in Jesus Christ. This is God's plan for reaching the world. You say, let's just fill up up, uh, stadiums, 50,000 people. Let's just throw all of our money in that. And I don't have anything against that. But if you do the math, if we would simply one by one win people and then see that number doubled by them winning people, it would blow you away, and I'm not even going to try to give you the stats for it, how much faster people would come to faith in Christ if we would simply one by one share the gospel with people. And see people come to faith. The motivation was the gospel's sake. Our motivation can't be so that people will like us. It can't be so that people will give us a pat on the back. Our motivation is the gospel. Luke chapter 19, Jesus comes to town. You know the story. There's a man there who is a sinner. He's a publican. publican. None of the, the religious people have anything to do with him. He runs and he climbs up a tree to see Jesus. And look at, I'll just read it for you. Luke 19 verse 5 And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. For what reason? To win him to faith in Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus' enemies, who were the religious of the day, called him a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners because of his unconventional approach to winning people to faith in Jesus. And Paul was content. Let people say what they, what they may, but Jesus is my example. 
Jesus is my example. And it's going to take cross and barriers of our own making. I love what John Phillips wrote. Soldiers and sailors, governors and jailers, slaves and slave owners, the rich and the famous, and the poor and the down and out were all the same to Paul. People for whom Christ died. When you see them on the side of the road at Walmart, rather than letting your mind make its judgments, let us see them for souls in which Christ died. Let us think about what change the gospel would make in their life. There's a video that I saw several years ago that drastically changed my life when I saw it. I I can't ever watch it without tears, and I wanted to share it with you tonight as, as we close because it goes along with this. May there not be anyone that God puts in our path that we make a judgment on and we pass by. May we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in speaking to people because there is one great purpose that we live for, and that is to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Show the video. I had a crisis event happen to me in our previous facility on an Easter Sunday when I preached for the third time that day was bone tired, bone tired, poured out myself and people had come to Christ and I prayed and I got through with the meeting. And then I look and around the one, two, three, four, fifth row, there's a guy in the aisle around level with the fifth row. And he was staring at me and looking at me. And I could tell by his eyes, like he wanted to know, could he come up here and talk to me? And I just looked at him a little closer. Man, the guy was disheveled, filthy looking, matted hair, a mess. And I thought to myself, what a bummer, because I'm going to have to give money. So I waved him up and he came so I'm here. He got to about five, six feet away from me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Smell? No, a smell? You think you've smelled something? I'll match that smell with anything you've ever smelled in your life. A mixture of feces, urine, sweat, street, and alcohol. Stir gently. And let it cook for a while. And that's what I smell. Nasty. I looked away to, to inhale. And I started questioning, what's your name, David? So, uh, man, you look bad. I didn't know he was laying in his own urine right outside the side door on Park Place. Uh, in that building. And he heard the music and it drew him in. Where'd you sleep last night? Deserted truck. How come you're not in a shelter? Too dangerous. Almost got killed last one I was in. Okay. Man, this guy smells bad. Missing one or two teeth. At least one right in the front. Let, Let me give him five dollars something. Not the way I wanted to end the day, but, you know, what can you do? Took out the money. I remember handing it. He pushed it down. He said, I don't want your money. 
I want this Jesus you are talking about. And at that moment, I forgot all about David because I knew who was really in need of prayer. It was Jim Cimbala. It wasn't David. I lifted my hands and I just said, God, please forgive me. What have I become? What kind of cheap two-bit preacher have I become? You sent somebody who's searching for you. And I want to give them a few dollars and get rid of them. Please help me. And God, that moment baptized me with a love, with something, with grace. He saw how pitiful I was. And David knew it. And he drew close to me. And I started to cry. And he started to cry. And then he fell against me and he put his head over here. And I put my arms around him. And he put his arms around me. And for a while we just rocked back and forth. A preacher in need of God. A guy from the street in need of God. I'm not sure who was needy or might have been me. God spoke to me and said, You see that smell? If you don't love that smell, I can never use you. Because the whole world smells that way to me. All the stinking, filthy sin of mankind. I sent my son to die for that smell. So you're either going to embrace it and love people in my name or I can't use you. I'll put you on the shelf. And if God is my witness, you can believe it or not, suddenly that smell became like the most beautiful lady's perfume you ever smelled in your life. It was just overwhelmed me. He was weeping. I was weeping. I led him to Christ. We prayed. We detoxed him for four or five days. Hired him on church staff housekeeping and what broke him and what broke me is God's love brothers and sisters let's walk in love this year let's think about other people let's love other people if they're different than us think different than us look different than us smell different than us I didn't grow up around that smell I was blessed fortunate middle class Polish Ukrainian middle class home I was that that's not that wasn't my world but it's God's world and he wants to use all of us. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in you, puts their faith in you, that you will give them everlasting life. And God, my prayer for me, my prayer for our church is that this year that we would be able to see people like you see them. Help us not to see them through our human eyes, through our judgmental eyes. But God, help us to see them and love them as you love them. This is 
not in us, humanly speaking. This is a love that that you must generate in our hearts and in our lives. Even this ability to adapt, it's not in us naturally. So God, I pray that you will give us the strength, that you will give us discernment, you will give us wisdom. And my prayer for us this year is that you will help us every day to wake and to be reminded of our purpose for life. May we, like the Apostle Paul, rise every day with such a passion for the gospel thinking about opportunities that you're going to give us this day, people that you're going to bring into our workplace, into our office, into our shop, into our lot, into our buildings. The person that we're going to run into at the grocery store and at the restaurant, the gas station, The student in the class that sits over there by themselves and no one really speaks to them. I pray, God, for our young people that you would give them the courage and the love to reach past their comfort zones. And pray, Lord, that they would reach to the lowly, to the outcast. Lord, we are willing to be identified as you were, the friend of sinners. Help us this year to embrace people that need you, but still love them. Help us to show them the love of Christ more than anything. May there be something in our lives and on our lips that make them want the Jesus that we have. And Lord, may our lives be all about the gospel, all about Jesus, always, always, always. And Lord, help us to be willing to do what needs to be done in order to see people come to faith. We pray all of this for your glory and for the gospel's sake. And the church said, amen.